0: Uh, everyone has received a listening guide if you uh, need one of these listening guides you've got somebody to be glad to bring one to you All right. there's Miller he needs one okay anybody else anybody else need one okay thank you so much Our uh, sermon series is about how to be brave, and I'm telling you, in these days, we need to be brave, I'll tell you. It's a difficult, uh, difficult day we live in, Uh, many, many challenges, so how can we learn to face fear, worry, and anxiety that comes into our lives in this stressful world we live in? How, How can we learn to do that? What does God have to say? about fear, worry, and anxiety, and is there any real hope for change? I do want to welcome those who've joined us by way of the internet, and I'm so grateful for the many of you that have joined us and you're part of our listening audience. Please uh, download that listening guide that we're using right here in the worship center at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale. Thank you for following along with us. You should be able to study with us and use that listening guide as we are studying God's Word here. In his letter to the believers at Philippi, Paul gave his readers a significant clue about overcoming fear, worry, and anxiety. I want you to remember that Paul was in a prison cell when he wrote this letter. And so he's writing to us from a prison cell that was not anything like our modern prison cells. Um, In fact, I've got a slide of the prison cell where Paul was held. Uh, This is what it looked like. And uh, it was dark and damp and disease-ridden and pest-ridden. And many people who went to jail died in jail uh, because of the disease, and the pests, the rodents, and the conditions. So Paul is writing this letter as a prisoner, and he's writing to encourage believers about trusting the Lord and walking with God. And, and if I were to talk with you today about fear, worry, and anxiety, and you were telling me, I, you know, I really struggle with this. I struggle to stay on top of these things. You know, these emotions hit me regularly. The first thing I would tell you is put your trust in the Lord, but then you would say to me, what does that look like? Uh, and this message about is about what that looks like. What does it look like to put your trust in the Lord? Because all of us know we should do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. We know the verses. We just don't know what it looks like worked out in a practical way. And Paul gives us some real help in his letter to the Philippians. And so we're going to take a look at that together today and see what he has to say. If you'll open your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, just want to read verses eight and nine. Remember that Paul in this same chapter said, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. He said, prayer is the key. Now, he says, in verses 8 and 9, finally, brethren, listen to this, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It is an action that is expected of believers. We are to allow our minds to meditate on things that are good and truthful and praiseworthy, and virtuous, and the problem for most of us is, we let our minds meditate on <laughs> the bad stuff, right, like, what do you find yourself thinking about, the disastrous political situation we're in, right, if you meditate on that very long, I guarantee you'll be fearful. What do you meditate on? Well, we can worry about our physical condition. We can worry about our aging. We can worry about our memory failing. We can worry about our finances. We can meditate on those things. We can worry about what are we going to do with the future? What about our kids? Oh my goodness, I'm so worried about them. We can meditate on that. But Paul says, if you meditate on that, you're going to be in trouble. So instead, he uses this word meditate, which literally means to focus your mind, fix your mind on these things and meditate on them, whatever is good and true and pure and praiseworthy and virtuous, those things are the things we want to concentrate on and that will help us in a practical way to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety. Now if you'll just keep your Bibles open we're going to look at those things together. We're going to look at what they mean and what they mean to us in a practical way. In order to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety We have to form the habit of thinking thoughts that are of God. I'm I'm afraid that too often I allow thoughts in my mind that are not of God. They may be of the devil. They may be of the flesh. They may be of the world, but they are definitely not of God. And if you allow those thoughts in your mind and you meditate on them, That's what creates the problem of fear, worry, and anxiety. Every thought either gives you energy or it takes energy. Every thought. Now think about that for just a second. Every thought you have is either taking energy from you or giving energy to you. Negative, fearful, anxious thoughts take energy. How many of you know that? They are exhausting, aren't they? I mean, you can worry yourself into physical sickness, can't you? They're exhausting. Those kinds of thoughts sap the energy right out of you. On the other side, positive, faith-filled, truth-based thoughts give energy, and they are renewing. They will actually renew your spirit. That's what Paul is talking about. Listen to what he says again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, listen, And the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. You'll be aware of his presence. You'll be aware of his grace and his great provisions for your life. Paul instructed the believers to think on the things that were true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable excellent, and praiseworthy. Now listen, both fear and faith are products of our thought life. When we focus on the wrong things, fear comes up. When we focus on the right things, faith is produced. Unfocused minds invite fear and weaken faith. So let me ask you a question. Where's your mind this morning? Where are you focused? What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on this morning? In the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve, he said, listen, all this beautiful stuff around you, you can enjoy. You can eat of every one of the trees in the garden. You can eat Every one of these, except one. This one is off limits. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did God know what he was doing when he said, don't do that? Does he still know what he's doing when he says, don't do that? (laughs) Of course he does. Let me ask you this question. Did Adam and Eve focus on all the things they could have? What did they focus on? The one thing that they couldn't have. Where's your focus? Isn't it fascinating that of all the trees in the garden that were good, all these things that God had provided for them that were good, They focused on the one thing they couldn't have. Do you know that's exactly how our minds operate? Only, let me give you some important information. You do have a choice. This is why Paul said meditate on these things. You have a choice. You can meditate on what you don't have or can't have or won't ever experience or you can focus on what God says. Where's your mind? May I just share something with you? My mama's 93 years old. She's in a nursing home. This past week, she took a turn for the worst. She can no longer get out of bed. She's barely able to talk. And I'm going to lose my mama pretty soon. Now, can I just share with you, I can let my mind dwell on that and think about how awful it's going to be not to have my mama. Or I can let my mind focus on the fact that my mama is going home and she's going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord she loved and served all of her life. I can focus on where she's going to be and the joy she's going to have and that she'll be released from a body that has really failed her. And she's going to have a, clear mind and she's going to have such joy in heaven in the presence of the Lord and she'll be there and be able to see him and talk to him and I can meditate on that. And that'll give me energy or I can meditate on my poor soul. Now where can I meditate? Wherever I choose. I can let my mind focus on the truths of God and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the love of God. Or I can think about, oh, I'm going to lose my mama. Right? Which tree are you focused on? All through the scriptures, we're given illustrations of What God wants us to do about our minds. Instead of focusing on wrong thoughts, we should focus on thinking right thoughts. Paul said, Think on these things, meditate on these things, focus your mind on these things. What kinds of things? First of all, whatever is true. I'm to let my mind dwell on whatever is true. Where am I going to find what's true? God's Word. So one of the things that I could let my mind dwell on is the truths of Scripture. And if you're filling your mind with the truths of Scripture on a daily basis, you'll not have any trouble focusing your mind on the truths of Scripture. I've got all these scriptures that I've been learning since I was a child, and they're like a reservoir of truth down inside of me. And all I've got to do is say, mind, get off of that and get on this. And do you know, you really can make a choice to focus your mind on something other than the miserable circumstance you're in. You really can meditate on these things. Focus on what is true. Well, what is true? You know, I had a a friend call me one afternoon and, and she said, oh my goodness, things are just happening so fast and I got this bad report and I got this bad report and then this bad thing happened at work and this bad thing happened and my friend is having this problem and I just heard that this person has cancer and she just went on and on and on, like her mind was focused on bad stuff. So, as soon as she got that out of her system, I said, Okay, let me ask you a question. What do we know to be true? What do we know to be true, regardless of what's happening in our lives? What do we know to be true? Number one, God is present with us. Number two, God is in control. Number three, God is love. Number four, God is good. Number five, God is faithful. Well, I can focus, I can focus on those things. And you see, the truth of those things never changes. No matter what's going on in your circumstances, these truths never change. He is always good. He is always faithful. He's always loving. He's always present. You can trust him. Paul said, fix your minds on this, this truth. Whatever is noble, he said, that which is worthy of respect. I can let my mind dwell on what is worthy of respect let me just give you a quick illustration of that. I can let my mind dwell on the junk that's going on politically right now. Or I can think about Boots Dixon, 94 years old, who fought for our freedoms in World War II. We have a World War II veteran in our presence. That's worthy of respect. That's noble service. And I can focus on that. You know what? That just gives me energy. It's amazing, isn't it? If I focus on the political mess we're in, that just takes all my energy away. It's draining. It's exhausting. I just have to change the channel. Now, now y'all are thinking I'm talking about the remote control, but I'm thinking about the channel, the channel in my mind, the channel in my mind, whatever's noble, I can focus on that, I can meditate on that, I can tell my mind, I want you to think about the noble things, whatever's just, that is, the morally and spiritually right things, I can focus on that. I can focus on what's wrong, but that doesn't do anything but take my energy. I can focus on what is right, and that gives me energy. I can focus on what is pure, pure—that is, that which is morally clean. Now, that does eliminate a lot of our TV watching. May I just share with you, I do think that what you watch affects you spiritually. And if you watch a whole lot of junk, it's not going to help you. Spiritually. Where's your mind? Whatever is lovely. This is a word that means kind, pleasing, or gracious. That kind of eliminates Facebook. Right? I'm telling you, if you dwell on Facebook and you read all these posts, it'll take you down. So what I do with Facebook is I focus on what can I share that is right and pure and holy and true and godly. What scripture can I share with people? What biblical truth can I share with people? What can I put out there that is noble and right and lovely and of good report, Instead of drama and discouragement to be whatever these things are let my mind focus on them meditate on them fix my thoughts on these things whatever is of good report that which is showing respect and courtesy for other people I want to give you three practical steps to help us overcome fearful negative and anxious thoughts Here's the first one. Replace fearful, negative, and anxious thoughts with truths about God. That is, I can focus on the fact that God is kind and good and loving always, that he is present with me always, that he is faithful to me always, that he's fully in control. Now, I just want to make this suggestion to you the next time fearful and anxious thoughts attempt to enter your mind, maybe the first thing you should do is say, no, God is in control. And then the thought comes back and you say, no, God is good and loving and kind. And the next thought that comes, you say, no, God is truthful and faithful and he's present with me. You do that a few times and guess what? Those thoughts are going to go away. They cannot exist where the truth of God is being put forth. So replace those fearful, negative, anxious thoughts with truths about God. I I, I like to ask people, when they're going through a really difficult time, I like to ask them, tell me this, what do you know to be true?" Go back and think about what you know has not changed. And it will be truths about God. Some things just don't change. God is always present with you. That never changes. He is always good, and He's always in control, and He's always faithful, and that never changes. And that's called grounding yourself. And when you get anxious and fearful and these emotions start taking over, you ground yourself in the truths that don't change. It'll it'll help you tremendously. Here's number two, practical step. Reject fearful, negative, anxious thoughts by taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Right here's a verse in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. just want to read that and think about the truth of the spiritual power we have. You ready? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That is, they are not man-made, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. A stronghold is an area of your mind that you have given over to the enemy. And you have accepted in your mind that fear is going to win. Right? And so you've been fearful so many times that when you put yourself in that circumstance again, fear just takes over because it's a stronghold. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Have you all ever experienced any of that? Of course you have. We have. You put yourself in a certain situation and anger takes over. That's called a stronghold. It's where Satan has grabbed a piece of your mind and set up camp. And there's a spiritual power to take that away from him. So let's look at this scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are not man-made, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So that negative, fearful, anxious thought enters your mind. You say, no, no. Here is the truth. Christ is with me. His peace guards my heart and mind. He is watching my steps. He is faithful. He is in control, and I'm going to trust Him. That's taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and not letting your thoughts run away with you. You know what happens when when you let your thoughts run away with you? You're given in to the enemy, number one. But people will look at you and they say, get a grip. Get a grip. Don't overreact, they're saying. What they're really trying to tell you is, refocus your mind. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There is a spiritual power released when you determine that you're going to obey God. The power of the Spirit of God resides within you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And the moment you say, I'm not going to allow that thought to stay in my mind, spiritual power takes over and it casts down that argument. And Satan's camp is destroyed. And you and I can really have freedom. This means that when we decide to obey God and hold our thoughts captive to Christ, we think on the true, the noble, the pure, the lovely, and the good report, there is spiritual power that is released in our lives to give us the victory through Jesus Christ. We actually can defeat negative, fearful, faithless thoughts and grow in our faith. What an amazing thing the grace of God is. Number three. Renew your commitment to God's word. Anxious, fearful, negative thoughts are overcome by the word of God. I'd like you to notice with me what God told Joshua in chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Now notice what God says to Joshua. You have to remember, Joshua's taken over some pretty big leadership role. He's stepping in for Moses. (laughs) How'd you like to step in for Moses? That would be some big shoes to fill, wouldn't it? So God says to Joshua, Be strong. This is verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Now, he only said that to Joshua. He didn't mean that for us, did he? Huh? He did mean it for us. Okay. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only... Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, the Bible, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, what? Meditate in it. That sounds like what Paul was saying. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. That's the third time he says it. Listen to what he says next. Do not be afraid. He's saying that to me, friends, And he's saying that to you. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Do you know what dismayed is? It's when your mind says, I just can't figure this out. None of this is adding up. None of it makes sense. You know what happens when you dwell on that? Your whole life ends up being confusing. But if you dismiss that thought and say, listen, God is in control, and I'm going to trust him, that's a whole different outcome for you. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord, listen, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's speaking that to me, friends, and he's speaking that to you. What did he say to Joshua? He said, I want you to be strong and courageous. He commanded him to be strong and courageous. He was so emphatic that he said it three times in a row. He told him that the key to being strong and courageous was to renew his commitment to the Word of God. The key to knowing victory was to be in the Word day and night. And the key to conquering fear was to be in the Word, day and night. So let's wrap this up and put a little bow on the top. I've asked you today, where's your mind? Where's your focus? Now I want to ask you, have you been spending time in the Word of God, on a consistent daily basis, are you letting what is good and true and noble and praiseworthy and virtuous, are you letting the truths of the word of God wash over your mind and fill your spirit with truth? So that when the world lies to you, you're not thrown around by every wave and every wind that comes at you. Rather, you're able to stand strong because of your devotion, your commitment to God's Word. I'm just going to tell you, 40 years of ministry I've observed this. When you get away from the Word of God, guess what happens in your life? You go downhill spiritually. And the first thing that comes into your life when you start neglecting the Word of God is fear. Anxiousness, depression, anger, frustration. It's the first stuff that comes into your life when you're neglecting your time in the Word. Can I ask you? Let me just ask you. Is there anything more important in your day than spending time with the Creator of the universe? Is there anything that's more important than getting alone with God in His Word? Is there anything more important than that? Boy, it got quiet in here. Is there? There's not anything more important than that for your spiritual well-being. So Paul gives us the key. He says, you want to overcome this? Take it to the Lord in prayer. You want to overcome this? Renew your commitment to the Word of God. Then, when somebody says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, you'll know exactly what it means. Some of us need to take a step. Here's some next steps for you. There are people here today who've never committed their lives to Christ. They've come to church, they've heard about Jesus, but they've never made that commitment that says, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. you paid for my sins. I've repented of my sins. I believe in you, and I'm trusting you with my life. You've never made that commitment to him. That may be your next step. You want to take that step today? I've got great news for you. You can take that step today, and the Savior will not only forgive you, He'll give you new life. Because God loves you, He gave His only Son. When you believe in Him, when you believe in His death, burial, and resurrection, when you believe and commit your life to Him, you'll have life eternal. It's amazing. If you'd like to make that commitment today, I'd love to talk with you. I'll be right up here after the service. Let me talk to you about what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's another step you might want to take today, and that's renewing your commitment to the Lord Jesus. You know that you're already saved, but truthfully, you kind of let things slide in your life spiritually. You're not where you once were. You need to renew that commitment to the Lord today. Some of you need to make that commitment. Just a minute, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to renew that commitment right where you are. Here's the great thing about our Savior. He's got open arms. He's ready to receive you back. He wants you back so bad. He opens His arms and welcomes you home, and all you've got to do Say, yes, Lord, I want to renew my commitment to you today. Here's another step you can take. Maybe you need to become a member here at Eastside Baptist Church. I've looked around at a lot of churches, and I'm going to tell you this is the best one we have. <laughs> it's a great place to worship and serve God and grow as a Christian. we got a great fellowship here. We love one another. We're committed to the truth of God's Word. this is just a great place to make that commitment if you'd like to talk about that commitment to become a member here at Eastside Baptist Church we'd welcome you with open arms just like the Savior so I would ask you to make that commitment today and I'll talk with you about it, I'll be right up here after the service I'd be glad to talk to you about that and then finally maybe you saw Mary today got you fired up I'm telling you, wasn't that a sweet testimony that's that's what it's about, you know? I, I love that. and maybe that's a decision you need to make. you know you you might be like me. I, I got dipped when I was eight years old, but I was not saved. I didn't get saved till I was much older, twenty one years old. Then I realized, hey, baptism is for believers. I wasn't a believer when I was eight, so I need to be baptized. So That was a commitment that I made. It was a commitment to the Lord Jesus to publicly follow him in believers' baptism. He gave us that example. When you make that decision public, it is a great way of testifying to everybody, I've decided to follow Christ. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be baptized, right? Didn't he say, go and make disciples and baptize them? Then that's what he said. So when you decide to be baptized, you're obeying the Lord. It's a step of obedience. That might be your next step. We'd love to talk to you about it. We can fill up that baptistry next Sunday if you want to be baptized. So just uh, you decide what God wants you to do. You take that step of faith today. Would you pray with me, please?